gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer again. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. Top five things I miss about Laura. One, sense of humor. Very dry, but it can also be warm and forgiving. Cinematic Leap. Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon-style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Top five hellos to you. And and Glenn Greening. I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. (laughs) Yet. Growth mindset. (laughs) Uh, nice. How are we, guys? Good. Yeah. It's kind of been a chill weekend, you know, 21st and, you know, threw some stuff out. Nice. Yeah. Watched a movie. Glad you had a... Wrestled with my computer as I tried to edit things and it crashes <laughs> twice in 20 minutes. Well, that's not good. No, it's not. Uh, Glenn, you obviously had a wedding. You were down our way for a little bit. Yeah. Went to a wedding and... Rushed, rushed home to watch the movie and yes ready to go <laughs> oh, beautiful all right so the movie we are doing this week is high fidelity 2000 uh, sorry a 2000 romantic comedy drama directed by stephen frears co-stars john cusack and ivan kale apologies if i've done that wrong co-stars jack black todd Lu- uh, luiso and lisa bonnet based off the 1995 novel of the same name by Nick Hornby. Had a budget of $30 million, made $47.1 million. Um, was pretty well reviewed, generally. Uh, IMDb has 7.4 out of 10, Metacritic 79 out of 100, and Rotten Tomatoes 7.6 out of 10. Um, and it was later made into a TV show, uh, though only lasted the one season. And actually starred Lisa Bonet's daughter, Zoe Kravitz. Oh. Yes, last year or really recent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 2020 or 2021. I actually watched an episode and it's kind of like there is a show that I might watch. You know, the ones you go, oh, right out of television. Oh, what, are, what is it? Oh, High Fidelity. No, I'll watch something else. It's really good. I watched it all. Really enjoyed it. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I can see why you like this movie, Glenn. This is right up your alley. <laughs> um, all right, Glenn, you chose The Leaper. Obviously, this is the last of your uh, trifecta of movies that you got to choose. You chose John Cusack. Why? Just to get to this movie, really, just because this is the uh, highest in my favourites list that I could get to. And, oh, well, yeah, going this way. And, um, yeah, so just to go to this movie, I'm actually curious, Scott, if you've seen if you had already seen it or not. No, I hadn't. I hadn't. So um, the beauty of your three movies, or based on my ratings, probably beauty may not necessarily be the word, but um, the beauty of your three movies has been that they are three movies that I have never seen before. So it's always nice to tick a few new movies off. So, um, And I was actually excited because I had heard some good reports about this. Um and I don't mind John Cusack. I've liked a few of his movies. Not probably so much Serendipity, as we heard on the last pod, but um, <laughs> generally I've sort of liked a, a, quite a few of his movies. So, yeah, I was looking forward to this. I'd heard some positive reviews before going into it. So, yeah. Michael, had you seen this? Yeah, I had. We'd um, we'd actually seen this one uh, sort of when it came out, um, probably a couple of times, and recently we studied it uh, with my year 12 oh. students. Like probably in the last few years, yeah, as a uh, non-linear film because it got all those kinds of flashbacks and that kind yep. of thing. So yeah, that's alright. Beautiful. Well, without any further ado, Michael, throw to the trailer. My store is called Championship Final. Turn it off! 
can't fire them. I hired these guys for three days a week, and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago. Rob Gordon has a successful business and a dedicated following. I used to go to the double door to hear you spin. You were unbelievable. But when it comes to dating... Hi. Hi. Is this Penny Hardwood? Hi, Caroline. He's still searching. Are you in or out, Rob? I'm sorry? Are you in or out, Rob? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. For the right woman. What's your name? Laura! Now his search may have ended, <laughs> but his problems just started. And I like you with Laura. I don't think much of this Ian guy. What Ian guy? You gotta be kidding me. The night Touchstone Pictures presents. How's Ian? He's growing on me. He looks like he could grow on something. John Cusack, Jack Black, Lisa Bonet, Joan Cusack, Eben Yila, Tim Robbins, Lily Taylor, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Based on the international best-selling novel... Are you gonna line that flower bed all night? No. High Fidelity. I'm looking for a record for my daughter. I just called to say I love you. Do we look like the kind of store that tells I just called to say I love you? Go to the mall. What's your problem? Do you even know your daughter? There's no way she likes that song. Oh, no, oh, oh. Is she in a coma? All right, Glenn, back with you for the synopsis. Obviously, everyone, there will be spoilers, so if you have not watched, stop the pod, go and watch it, come back, listen to our scintillating review. Glenn? And make sure you kind of figure out your top five albums oh. for numerous <laughs> different occasions. <laughs> Glenn, over to you. Yeah. Okay, so... It- Opens with the sound of a record, vinyl record starting over the Touchstone Pictures logo. So it's very clear from the start that this is going to be about, not about music, but it's a lot of music uh, throughout this film and um, very music-centred. It starts with a depressed Rob Gordon who is a music-loving man with a poor understanding of women. After being dumped by his long-term girlfriend, Laura, he tries to understand how he failed in his relationships by seeking out his old partners. Um, by day, he works at his record store, Championship Vinyl, where customers drift through. He and his employees, Dick and Barry, armed with an encyclopedic knowledge of all things musical, compile top five lists for every conceivable occasion, openly mock the tastes of their customers, and sell few records. Rob finds out that um, <clears throat> Laura left him for an old neighbour of his, which he finds quite upsetting. Um, which gets Laura right up into his top five breakups of all time. Um, Rob tracks down his former girlfriends from his top five breakups, starting with Alison, a girl he went, a girl from when he was quite young um, at school. Yep, Michael, did you? I was actually yeah, no, that's, that's all right. I, was, uh... um, I must say, like the the movie started off, but it it wasn't wasn't too bad. A little bit slow, and then. Jack Black turned up. And my God, the man's just got energy. Like instantly, he changed, he sort of changed the the way the whole movie was tracking at that stage. Just, he'd come on full of life, larger than life. He was awesome. He was. I was just happy he took the Bill and Sebastian yes, track. Yes, well. <laughs> yeah, and then put, put Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine, if I did believe. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think this is, a, this is an interesting part, like, um, because uh, as long as, like, you know, whenever Bell and Sebastian came up, and, like, Glenn and I know much of a long time, I think we lived together at the, the time, and he was really into Bell and Sebastian, and, you know, they were, for me, a, you know, grunge-loving ska punk fan. Um, it is a, you know, a bit of a snore fest, so... <laughs> it's always been like, you know, oh, no, Glenn, I don't want to listen to Bell and Sebastian. I reckon it took me about 20 minutes... Um, and I'm just going, oh, I can, I can see exactly why Glenn loves this movie. This is, one, it's the genre that he loves. He loves his romantic comedy dramas. But it's just about, you know, three guys just talking about random music and bands and records. And, you know, uh, Glenn's got one of the most vast CD collections I think I've ever, I've ever seen and always loved his band, going to bands when he was lived in Melbourne in the band scene. So I'm just going, yeah, this is, I can see why Glenn, you are. You certainly would have loved this movie, that's for sure. Yeah, mm. I actually I do really like the opening of this film 
um, you know, how it starts. It starts with the music and it starts with the record close up. Um, that was already, you know, really nice. It tells you what this film is about um, straight away. Uh, of course, character wise, it's like, you know, um, John, John Cusack is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob is just, you know, and it's weird and it really it, it builds it. And it's not until the last third you really kind of get a sense of, like, you know, growth. But um, yeah, he's he comes across as a petulant child. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's the reason why, like, you know, you said that, like, you know, she's left him for, um, Ian Ray. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it, she's leaving him cause she's a, pe- he's a petulant child. Like, you know, he is, he is hard to be around. Oh yeah. He's um, very, thinks, thinks of himself before anyone else. Like always just thinking, mm. how does this affect me? Anything that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And look, yeah. I'll, I'll expand this more later on in with my thoughts, but, um, well, hard not he, yeah. to, isn't it? This is ultimately he, uh, what this yeah. about. <laughs> he, he wasn't really enjoyable to like. And that's, I think, where, um, when I was talking about before with Jack Black, like he, he comes in and it just changes the whole tone of the movie at that stage. Because then you've also, because you've got Dick, who's just quiet and a little depressive and, you know, obviously put on the song, the, the music that you guys were talking about before. So, yeah. And then you have Jack Black, larger than life. Huge music comes on when he's in. So, I guess it's that contrast between introvert and mm. extrovert. You know, the um, Dick is that introvert. He's that kind of quiet lover of music. Um, you know, he's shy. And whereas uh, Barry is just larger than life, you know, music fan and has aspirations to, you know, to be in a, a band as we, we find oh. out. Um, okay. Yeah, so you can, you can see how in that space it makes a good is conflict. It, is it just me or... Is Dick and Barry basically you and Glenn? Yeah, actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> totally right. Do you know that makes you Rob Gordon? Oh, no, I don't want that. No, God, no. Oh, Jesus Christ, don't let that happen. Yeah. I am very Jack Black at this uh, I am very Jack Black. Yeah. yeah. And look, I am a quiet introvert um, who is the lover of music. Um, this is totally how that, that, that plays out. That's funny. Um, but it's, it's yeah. But the Bale and Sebastian thing, just going back to that for a second, mm-hmm. they are one of my all-time top five favourite bands of all time. That's true, they um, are. But that song is totally understandable that Jack Black would come in and say, what is this? Because that's, that's my least favourite of their songs. Um, <laughs> it is very, you know, slow and just if you, yeah. Anyway. Let's move on. <laughs> sure. uh, we won't start talking about music. Especially <laughs> talk about film. Yeah, it's, a movie, it's a movie podcast. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, he, he starts tracking down his ex-partners uh, and starts with Alison, who's a girl from uh, his school when he first started noticing girls. Um, and he used to kiss her after school for a couple of hours for three days in a row, but then she moved on to Kevin Bannister. Um, he... Tracks, he tracks her down, finds her number and calls, well, he calls her mum, trying to track her down, but the mum says, no, she married her first boyfriend, you're not her first boyfriend. And he's like, no, I, I was. And she says, no, she she married Kevin Bannister. And so he's like, oh, okay. And so he feels better um, after talking to the mum because he feels like her and Kevin were meant to be and that he was, you know, he was just there beforehand and that, you know, they were meant to be, so it's not, you know, about him that they broke up. Well, they didn't really break up. They were never really a thing. Um, well, she and she employs a tactic there where it's like, you know, well, maybe I'm wrong. It's like, you know, let's get this freak off the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he, he finally he tracks down the next uh, girl, a friend, and then she reminds him that he broke up with her and he realises, oh, yeah, you're right, I did break up with you because, you know, she wouldn't go as fast as he wanted to go. Because you're a... And because he, he's a mm. petulant child, yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> and um, he realizes, and then he says to himself or to the camera, uh, to the audience, that I should have done this ages ago. This is great. I feel so good. <laughs> um, Which is, I mean, I found this that, that pretty kind of it's very throwaway and meant to be amusing. But she basically said to him, "This mm. guy has assaulted yeah. me. Like, you know, this was it was, it was the closest you get to rape." Like, you know, and it was dismissed because it, you know, he feels better. I'd say, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, this uh, <laughs> again, this is, I'm just going, why am I liking this Rob? What, what do I care about this? But he's basically yeah. got. See, I, was, I, I wasn't liking Rob. Like, yeah. that was that was actually quite a stark moment of the movie. It's like, 
she's basically said mm. it wasn't rape because I agreed to it, but yeah, pretty much I was raped. It's like it's fucking. And then she walks mm. off, and he's like, "This is great." It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have done this years ago. And like, and I guess that again, you know, you you both go on belief you, you rob, but like you know, you are an mm. asshole. Um, which of course Joan Cusack yeah. says vehemently later. Well, she's I think she's already said it. Glenn's jumped over a pretty big. Yeah, probably right. Part of it. Anyway, sorry, Glenn. Okay, go. <laughs> it sort of tie. It does tie in. So I tried to not do every single scene. Um, yeah, fair enough. There was a lot of scenes. So the third on the list was um, another recently dumped girl, and they they basically got together just because they were both lonely and didn't want to be alone. And she eventually found someone else who she actually wanted to be with and um, left him. So he tracks her down and she's single and lonely again and he realises that she was never really a proper relationship and although they probably he probably could have started it back up with her because she was back in that mindset that she was when he first met her. Um, so, yeah, he moves, he's able to move on from that one as well. Actually, she was the, um, she was the fourth one because he tried to... Was it yeah. Charlie's the third one? Catherine Cedar jones yeah, but, yeah. Hmm. Sorry, the third one that he does say, correct. Yeah. Sorry. Um, he tracks down Charlie, um, the other on his list, and goes to a dinner party that she throws. He discovers that she is just a completely different person to him, living in a completely different world, like a different lifestyle, more upper class, sophisticated, you know, dinner parties and, you know, just not his um, type of crowd. And I think he feels better after that um, as well. Um Back in the shop, there's uh, two shoplifting, skateboarding teenagers, Vince and Justin. Um, they're a bit of annoyance uh, in the shop and until Rob hears a recording that they've made and he offers them a record deal. Um, and um, during all this time, he's also, you know, talking to Laura and she's moving out and collecting her stuff and he's just trying to win her back. Well, we also found out too why she basically dumped him and it's that there was four reasons that he because Joan Cusack basically walks into the store and just basically says you're an asshole um mm. and we find out why one he cheated on her while she was yes. pregnant uh yes. which led to her terminating it um he was looking for others apparently he was unhappy in the relationship and he was looking for others uh and he borrowed money off her about four thousand hadn't paid it back. Now he try he does go on to try and put some context around Justif- it and justify it. Yes, but it mm-hmm. again, why, bro? You're yeah. the bad guy here, Rob. What you see in him, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> um, so Laura's father um, dies. Well, before we get to that, yes. there's actually yeah, there's um, we've like we've. Glossed over Marie de Saint. Oh, yeah, I, I skipped over no. because it was just a quick. It didn't really matter. Don't don't <laughs> skip well, over it's, her. It's Lisa Bonet. She was awesome. <laughs> she has got a beautiful voice. Beautiful actress, actor. Sorry. Um, yes. Yes. And yeah. Again, another reason why I hated Rob. Because yeah. Laura says, like, there's a 9% chance we'll get together. I haven't slept with Ian and he's all really happy about this. Yes, there's a chance. And then he goes out and sleeps with yeah. Marie. So. And then he gets upset that well, she does she does yeah, sleep with like, Ian yeah, after that. And like, he's, like, angry. And I'm like, just, hang on a minute. You can't did just... the same thing just before. <sighs> like, she never... And, like, you know, Laura never asks Rob, like, you know, well, have you slept with someone else? Mm. Yes. But... Yeah. It's not the question. Yeah. He has, I mean, I guess a, a highlighting double standards. Yeah. Fuck you, Rob. For Rob. Mm. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, <clears throat> um, so Laura's father dies um, and Rob attends his funeral with Laura. Um, shortly after that, um, after that, they get back together. Um, but it's not long before Rob finds himself making a mixtape for a music journalist that he meets in his store. He soon realises that he... Oh, gosh, this makes no sense what I've written here. <laughs> well, this is the fantasy part, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like he, he soon realises that he needs to stop seeing, seeing new people as fantasies when he has Laura, who he knows is beyond the fantasy and loves. Um, he decides he needs to stop not thinking about the future and concentrate on his real relationship, not not the fantasies, basically. Mm. Um 
Rob, yeah, so Rob tells Laura that other women are just fantasies and she's reality and and he never tires of her. He proposes marriage. She thanks him for asking. Um, she arranges for him to revisit his former love of DJing um, at the celebrate at the celebration of the new newly released single by Vincent Justin, um, where Barry's band Sonic Death Monkey uh, is is going to play, and which is which is very concerning for Rob before he Jack Black's gonna band gonna play. But he, he changed his band name on the day to Barry Jive and the uh, something Five. Yeah. Well, I mean. You know the yeah. the actual Vincent Justin with the kinky they wizards. Were. Yes, and was it like, what was the um, love in a wheelchair or something? Like, was that the name of the song? I stole my mum's. Um, I stole my mum's wheelchair. Was. Yeah, or something. I sold it. Sold my mum's wheelchair. Or something mm. weird. Yeah, but like anyway, um, yeah, you sort of skipped Jack over Black too. Jack. Like, yeah, he's Laura's setting all this stuff, and he's actually actively trying to get, you know, people Did to knock up. But he, oh, he's yeah, basically trying yeah, to convince yeah. him. It's like, yeah, he's asking Jack Black, you know, I'll pay you more to not play, and you know, and then he's yeah, he's very worried that it's going to be a disaster. Um, and, and he, which again is like you know that sort of um, it's that final try to you know barrier for him to kind of um, conquer. It's kind of I thought it was, it's kind of weird in some way, like. Um, because suddenly, like, she's advertising it. Like, why would you have talked to Rob about this? But then again, you know, Rob is an insecure, self-sabotaging asshole. Mm. So... <laughs> yeah, she'd asked him, to, if he, let's do this, he would have said no. So you're better off just organising it. Um, it's the old adage, it's even easier to ask for forgiveness and permission. So... Mm. Yes, but um, Jack Black's are actually really good at singing and uh, music. And it's a good, uh, it's a good song, and he um, plays it, and it's actually their song, Robin and Laura's song that they mentioned earlier. That that's their song, um, and that's what is performed, and it's a successful night. And then Rob makes a mixtape for Laura, and feels he's finally learned how to make her happy. He puts song songs on that he thinks she will like, rather than songs he likes. Um, he finally thinks of somebody who is not himself. The mm. the end. Nice, good punching synopsis, Quinn. Yeah, the message "Don't being a selfish asshole" is probably the key part of that. This was probably the most yes. frustrating part of the movie for me, other than the fact that Rob was pissing me off for the majority of the movie. I honestly felt like the movie peaked at this point, and an hour and forty-four mark. I'm going, yeah, it's finally, you know, like Jack Black singing, like he was awesome. He sounded incredible, and then the movie finished. I'm like, no, give me more of that. I don't want to get rid of Rob. Just give me more of Jack Black singing and actual music within the movie. It's funny you say that because, like, it was a, probably around then I was actually thinking about this is the um, this is the ending that Step Brothers didn't have. Like, you know, they he he is an abject failure across like you know most of this movie, and then sort of it turns. Whereas you know in Step Brothers, I mean, it is an abject failure as a movie, but they never kind of resolve it in a better way. Like it just kind of, oh, it's, there's a reason why it's a two. Nice work, Glenn. Um, all right. Cast and characters. Michael. Uh, look, John Cusack, obviously, you know, the protagonist here and, you know, he, the acting in the role, like, you know, John Cusack is very suited to that sort of that selfish, petulant asshole, um, child, man child that, like, you know, that is Rob. Um, I think he does a good job of that. Um, and we saw, like, you know, it, there's elements of that in um, Serendipity as well. Like, you know, he kind of, less so, like, you know, but I mean, obviously, Serendipity is pursuing this, you know, he has a fiance and he's pursuing this other, you know, fantasy woman. Um, so, very related. Um, so he does that well, like, you know, in terms of the character, Rob Gordon, um, God, you just want to, you know, strangle him in some <laughs> ways. Um, and I guess that's the conceit of films in, in a lot of aspects in that, um, people like, you know, it's, he's got limited parameters in which the character evolves. Um, and people realistically don't evolve that way. They might, there's elements that are probably true, but, um, you know, you have a you have that lie that this is his 
you know, how he is and he's not growing. And um, Yeah, so I think the Jonky Sack does a great job. I found um, Ivan... Yeah, I don't play Laura. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was, and I've always felt this when I've watched the film, she's very hard to connect to as a, in terms of the, the character Laura. Like, you know, you didn't really feel like you kind of said, well, Rob, you can go either way here. Like, you know, <laughs> um, I don't, I didn't think that, you know, you'd like, she really, she was good, but she could have been better. Yeah, I don't know. It's just hard to, hard to know what she sees in, in Rob, like I think they just needed yeah. just a bit of something, just to show something nice. Like have a scene where he's actually nice, just to see that he can be. Yeah. maybe. because <laughs> she must like yeah. something about him. And she did. I don't think yeah. she did much after this, from what I could look on no. IMDb. Yeah, um, I think Todd Luoso um, played a beautiful Glenn <laughs> slash Dick. Um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's it's easy to make that comparison, like. Uh, Jack Black is always entertaining, although, like, compared to, like, you know, and obviously he's younger than, like, in other roles where he's more mature, like, you know, this one, he is that, you know, he's a young asshole as well, like, mm. it fits into that crowd, but, you know, it's nice to see him grow as well. Um, Lisa Bonet, like, that's kind of, I guess that's a, with a ship in the wind, it's like a, you know, almost a, if you're looking at this idea of the hero's journey, is she a conquest or a, you know, a sort of a... I don't know, a guardian of something. Um, but it's like a flash in the pan. Like, you know, could that, was that an important moment? I don't know. Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones as uh, Charlie. Yep, serviceable. Um, she did a good job. Um, Joan Cusack, Liz. She's always, she's mm. always funny. Um, interesting that, you know, that's the you know sister. Like, why don't you just play the sister? It's kind of, that was odd. And then there's Tim Robbins. <laughs> he's uh and i think he's good in this like he's punchable like you know and i know we've talked about this before scott where you're going oh that's not okay but you you did feel like you know in rob's place it's like oh Ooh. i just want to <laughs> so i think tom robbins was good too yeah i'd agree um i used to, yeah as i said I, I usually don't mind john kuzak i just couldn't come at him in this film like he he plays his character well where He's sort of got that smart ass about him that he's he thinks he's the smartest man in the room and he's not afraid to sort of show it and act it and tell you. Um, I thought, look, I thought he acted well. I hated the character for pretty much 95% of the movie or probably 100% of the movie, truth be told. Um, I just couldn't find anything to really... No, he, wasn't, he wasn't that bad in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> but I just couldn't I just couldn't come at him in this. Um, yeah, um, Ivan... She was solid enough. Um, again, yeah, you probably we probably needed that scene to show why she cared, and it probably wasn't until I guess similar to Rob in some ways we didn't. About ninety five percent of the film's gone, and then you know she's smiling, she's helping Rob out. You sort of go, okay, now I can see that there's a bit of a, a bit of chemistry, mm. there's a bit of a connection there, but it took a long time to get to in that, it, which is it, which I'll discuss later on in probably what. You're never really rooting for their no, relationship. and it's, it, it'll yeah. reflect in my um, overall rating later on. But I think this is the problem. It says it's a romantic comedy. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'll go into that later on. Um, Jack Black was the highlight for me. Lisa Bonet was highlight number two. And Catherine Zeta-Jones was highlight number three. Um, Michael Douglas, go and get stuffed because you, Catherine Zeta-Jones seemed to fall out of movies when those two sort of got together. Um, and same with Lisa Bonet when she got with Lenny Kravitz. So both of you blokes can go and get stuffed. You ruined us. Uh, two fabulous <laughs> actors. Um, absolutely stunning. Really good actors. Um, and it would have been good to see them in more things. Joan Cusack. I like Joan Cusack. I reckon she's great. She pops up in movies here and there. And she's never necessarily a huge character. Um, but she comes in. She might get, you know, 10... 15 minutes of screen time, if that, but she really makes She has a memorable, she has memorable moments in movies yeah. a lot. Like she just, in this movie, when she had that line, that is shocking. That is shocking. That is just like, I just felt like I'd seen that line so much before just because it's memorable. You know, I just, yeah, she's good. She's good when she is in. Yeah. She just pops in. She does <clears> her, she, she plays her role. She's memorable for that 
brief period and then she's out and it's yeah i think she does it well um and tim robbins was awesome um in some ways though i think we had a great cast um but was largely wasted in some ways um but yeah glenn i didn't have a lot to say for casting characters but the main thing i wanted to say was jack black for me was the highlight like of of, of the cast um just full of energy and just funny and just you know the character as well just with the you know passionate about music and has strong opinions and strong debates i really enjoyed yeah all jack black scenes and barry and dick scenes basically mm. um and yeah i agree with um, lisa bonnet as well like and and what you're saying about how this is a romantic comedy it's like when when you watch it for the first time or when you don't you know if you can't remember this movie very well and you're watching it it's like okay so is the romance you know this is a romance comedy he's, he's going to end up with her at the end right because the breakup at the start surely they're not going to get back together like what do they like about each other really so i thought originally that it would go that story would go with those the girl on the band and the record store and the guy mm. and they'd get together but she was just a little subplot that he says i'll call you and she's like yeah right <laughs> and that's the end of that it does make you wonder if in the book it's like a bigger part of the subplot like you um because it is based mm. on a book yes um one of my favorite if... all-time top five favorite books oh. <laughs> uh so yeah it makes you wonder if it is more of a important part in that sort of book I've got to reread the book. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and the rest of the cast, yeah, is all all fine. It was good. Like, yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones has played her part great. Um, Tim Robbins, usually sort of a more clean-cut sort of role. Like, you know, he had the long hair in this and just the – I think he might have been really enjoyed that, that character, um, which was fun to see. Um, yeah, but hard to – and John Cusack, I just like him. I mean, he can play a jerk. I still like him. I mean, I don't like the character. That's true. I don't, yeah, the character's a jerk, but I just like watching John Cusack. And, then, and coming back to that, like, you know, I guess that's the, it's part of it. Are you meant to like this character? Like, you know, I think it's, you know, okay, not to. Like, um, it's, yeah, you know, it, it's the... he did talk about it in just, I watched the DVD extras just before, and he, he wrote the script as well um, with a mm. couple of friends. And he was saying that, yeah, the guy's a jerk, but he's real. Like, it's, he's honest and he's not, pretending you know to be something he's not he's just you know owning up to if he did something wrong he owns up to it and yeah it's it's interesting but he's a he is unlikable but at least it's real yeah hmm. all right favorite scene glenn oh sorry you're <laughs> sorry to you uh, sorry to you with me drink apologies favorite scene glenn. Right. yeah favorite scene um let me just open that back up and I've got nothing written there. Um, that's because I'll just say it. <laughs> My favourite scene is basically the opening. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of favourite bits, so I'll go to that when we do our other favourite bits. But um, probably the first scene of the record store where you meet Jack Black and um, Barry and Dick, um, you know, with Bell and Sebastian's playing and they complain how annoying and boring it is. And, and even John Cusack, um, Rob, you know, insults the music by by just saying we just want to listen to something we can ignore <laughs> you know <laughs> and um then you know walking on sunshine and the whole just introduction to those characters and the music nerd nerdiness of them and just the the interaction between them that's my favorite probably my favorite scene that that record store, that first record store scene yeah and it sort of sets up we sort of get a pretty good introduction to the characters too i mean jack black's music's over the top loud Whereas, yeah, Dixie's really sort of a lot more mellow and quiet. And uh, yeah. Rob just basically just wants to ignore things. So, Michael? Yeah. yeah. Um, number one on my top five scenes for <laughs> High Fidelity uh, is definitely the beating of Tim Robbins as a character, um, Ray Ian. Really? Um, it, was just, it was just funny. It was just like, you know, um, it was like a sequence there. And it, it's interesting because it, it takes... Like, you know, there's that idea of three, like, you know, um, like usually like, you know, you repeat, do things, something three times, but it goes beyond that. So that I, that was kind of like, you know, uh, having already seen that kind of, I forgot that moment. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like, you know, funny, 
Um, and, you know, they could have done another couple, and I'm pretty, pretty clear you keep with that. Um, number two would be the uh, the scene where... Get to do five. Um, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um, the scene where um, he's in the rain, like he's left the funeral, he said, he said sorry, and... Um, and he gets soaked a lot oh. in this film, but this is my favourite one where he got soaked. Um, and he's just at the bus stop. Um, and of course, he ruins that moment. Like, you know, like, you know, here he's looking at his, being an adult, he said sorry, he's walked off, he's gone, you know, I probably should just go. Um, but instead of actually sort of, you know, just waiting at the bus stop for Laura, who's clearly coming for him, uh, he jumps into a, a giant mud puddle behind the fence. It's like, yep, you are still a child. Um... Then uh, number three uh, was probably the scene um, where they're watching uh, Marie de Salle, um, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of highlighted how they're, they're, they're whilst they're different, they're almost the same people. Like they're talking about, like you know, um, they're talking about her, but they agree on things. Like you know, it's bang bang bang. Like you know, yeah. three lots of agreement straight away. Um, all right, I don't have two others. So. <laughs> <laughs> Could I just say, that's interesting, your favourite scene, because that was the one thing I was going to say that I feel like it didn't fit like in this movie. It just sort of felt out of place, that sequence where they do that beating him up sort of thing. It just felt out of place. It just didn't feel like it went with the flow of the film. Well, that's where the comedy comes in. Just, yeah, I can uh, see how, like, you know, that it does... It is... though, like, for this movie, is a bit... Yeah, I don't know. Mm. It was a it was a different juxtaposition, like you know, to those to the other scenes, um, which is probably why it was unexpected and interesting at the same time. Um, yeah. But certainly, like you know, and I guess I could see why I it would be likable, an enjoyable moment. But just for me, yeah. it just felt a bit out of place. But yeah, didn't, it was a it was a nice funny. kind of pressure pressure like you know release for the visceral feelings like you know rob was inflicting on us about how he disliked ray um so and it, it almost it, it did end that sort of subplot that was the the end of that we didn't really see ray ian yeah he was um, going after that after that was actually my favorite scene yeah. as well and i think it's probably because mm. it's one of the the few really funny parts of the movie um and I, outside of that probably when I thought I loved listening to Jack Black sing and I loved listening to Lisa Bonet sing. So um, I would have liked to have seen actually yeah, more of the live music within the movie. But they were probably my standout scenes. Other notable aspects, Michael? Um, actually, there is another scene that I remembered. When he was going through his top five reasons for um, breaking up with, or like, you know, what he misses about Laura. And this is evidenced in like his breaking the fourth <clears throat> wall, and like which is a big feature of this film, where you know each time um, he's recapping to the audience, like you know, and it's a strong part of this kind of movie um, that fourth wall breaking. So he's talking to you directly as the audience. Um, but that the way that bridge one was done was like you know he's just kind of on a, a bridge like mm. near a road or something like that, and it uses the space really well, and I really liked um, how. They, they had a regular technique where the, the camera would come in, like, you know, it would, it would sort of dolly into John Cusack as he's kind of talking to the audience. So that was really nice. It kind of, it's like inviting you in. So that was a regular um, visual motif. Um, but in that sequence, he would go past a, a like a girder and it, would, and it would cut and then we'd get that same sequence again. And like, I really appreciated that, like, you know, in a visual aesthetic and overall like you know that this film really does that well like it you know it helped it it's fourth wall breaking does not feel um monotonous at any stage like you know it's kind of one of those things you you do enjoy some of the commentary that you know john cusack is giving as rob um and it's interesting i um, disagree well you can just hated the fourth wall breaking um, part of it <laughs> i feel like michael's reading my notes uh, there you go um so i thought that was good the i did like you know having you know watched this film and again and like i really do like that last i think it's quarter is probably a better way to say it you know he's found like you know when he starts to grow um as a character like he you know he's finally getting himself out of that muck like you know he hears the kinky wizards um you know he gets the anti-romance kind of get back together with laura it's like oh okay that's <laughs> he starts you. basically thinking um, about the future 
Yeah, and, he, and that's the that's the bit that becomes a good part of the film. So narratively, that's kind of the you know a fun part. Um, yeah, I think broadly, you know, edited well. Obviously, you know, strong inclusion of music, um, and still stuff that's like oh, I don't know those musicians. Um, aesthetically, in terms of all the spaces, like you know. Um, simple locations, but you know, good mise en scene. Like you know, the Rob's apartment was you know you you got that sense that it was full of records and um, the record store. Like they were kind of they felt real, and I think that that's really nice. That kind of part of that film. Yeah, I hated the breaking of the fourth wall, um, and I think mm-hmm. some they did that a yeah, lot, so. <laughs> which frustrated the hell out of me. And something sometimes I think it's just a way to get around poor filmmaking. Like it's sort of like. Um, voiceovers and things like that, but yeah, so it, it did. It, it sort of frustrated me. I wasn't a big fan of that part of it. Um, most of my other aspects were were probably. I well, first of all, I did enjoy the score of the movie. I thought there was some good music throughout. We had a couple of nice live performances, which sounded really good. But also, just the music throughout, I thought was quite good. Um, but most of mine was probably more just nostalgia like how to make a mixtape he goes through mm. i think i wrote it down where is it i wrote it down in terms of what is you know and i remember going back because i used to love making a mixtape and you did you always start off with a banger you always have to start off with something decent and then you do you kick it up a notch and it's like and then you do you you don't want to go off too early so then you start to slow it down you put a couple of you know sort of more cruisier songs and then you ramp it up again and i i really enjoyed that because it did take me back um, well, that's exactly breaking the fourth wall, talking to the camera while he's doing that. So if you enjoyed that, <laughs> that's he could have done that just by talking to to Jack Black, and it would have been just as powerful for me. Well, I, I think like you know the you know that aspect. I don't. I mean, Glad probably have more insight. Have you read the novel? But that's probably possibly part of the novelization. Like you know, it's actually kind of that. Um, you know the the author or the character probably talks to the audience in the book so they probably wanted to do that it's easy obviously to do it in a book because you do you can get into the the thoughts and the mind of the protagonist within a book they did it really but they did it really easily in the film yeah i just i I just wasn't a fan um (laughs) you weren't you weren't comfortable but it was great to see mixtapes again and like how Mm. not just and like you know i bought this record i'll tape it for you and so that just it was just nice nostalgia (laughs) also when he buys the marie st Clair. CD, and he opens it up and he pulls out the booklet and it's got a picture and I'm sure it's probably got lyrics and things like that. And it just reminded me of when you did, when you used to buy a CD, and it either come with a booklet or you know that you'd pull out the sort of cover art and it would come with like lyrics or a story or some other photos and all. And it just yeah, more from a nostalgia point of view, I just enjoyed remembering that. It's I got I got two interesting things for you. Uh, one on the CD, I actually still do buy CDs, so yeah, and you do pull out the, the liner notes um, got the interrupters and um, uh, with the latest album and the regrets which I now have regrets about because they've gone from you know, punk to pop and I hate it um, <laughs> the other one is, I did recently watch a, a thing where, like a brief article where cassettes are coming back people, like the, the young kids are buying really? them yeah like a single remodel. What, what, yeah. what am I going to listen to in my car? I don't even have don't a cassette, cassette deck in my car anymore. We just have to make a mix CD. It's like the same thing. It's just one one side. Just don't put it on random. It's like let it run through. No. Glenn? You probably don't have a CD burner anymore, no. do you? No. No. I don't think so. No, I don't doubt it. No. You do, but... I, I do. Yeah. I'll make you one. <laughs> I don't have a CD player anymore, but this year I bought more vinyl than any other year. I'd say. <laughs> well, was it? it wasn't the previous car that I bought when I when we bought it, picked it up, and we we're going through with the salesman. I said, "Oh, hey, where's the CD player?" And he just looked at me like I'm a dickhead. He goes, "No, mate, you just get the music off your phone." I'm like, "What? Not shit loads of CDs. I don't. What do I need on my phone?" But anyway, that's just mm. me being old. Glenn, you're allowed to be other old notable too. aspects. Well, the big one is the soundtrack. Um, this is one of the best movie soundtracks of all time ever in my top five, that's for sure. Um, you said the same thing I about Josie and the Pussycats, by the way. Yeah, that's a great soundtrack too. And that's why I picked these movies because I love music and I love uh, a good soundtrack. Um, same with Vanilla Sky, if I ever got there. That's a great soundtrack too. Anyway, this soundtrack is very, very good. It's 
I'd say flawless, close to flawless. The only song I didn't like was the um, Kinky Wizards, you know, that song, which isn't actually on the, the actual soundtrack um, album. So yep. it's not a problem. Um, my other things I really liked were basically everything in the record store, all the all the music store scenes, um, all the dial, you know, all the discussions of music. And just one example is when, you know, when Rob Gordon, John Cusack says, I will now sell three EPs by the Beta Band, and he just puts on a puts on a record, and it just sits, and all the people in the record stores just start realizing, oh, this song's alright, and they'll like start listening. I just love how you know the confidence of him being saying, I'm going to put it on this, I'm going to sell. So I just like those sort of moments, and all the discussions of music, just really fun. And the other enjoyable aspect for me was the talking to camera um, that Michael did talk about a lot. Um, and I did discover that it was actually in the script, it was all written as voiceover, but um, they changed it to having him talking directly to the camera because that allowed them to get all the best bits of the book and just put them in easily where they wanted them without having to figure out how to do it as a voiceover and whatnot. So they could just get all the great passages out of the book because in the book, he's, you know, from his point of view, um, they could just get all that into the film wherever they wanted and it was easy enough to do which i really enjoyed and a lot of the talking to the camera was you know things like the rules of making a mixtape or a top five of this or a top five of that and i really just enjoyed that stuff um so i'll tell you what quite enjoyable for me glad it wasn't a voiceover voiceover would have been terrible fourth mm, wall was bad yeah. enough but voiceover would have been that would have been a complete dumpster oh, yeah. fire I thought that's why I liked it. I just thought it worked really well, and it just brought you into the movie a bit more, rather than what you know, a voice and just watching shots of stuff or whatever. I, I brought you into it a lot more. I thought. I yes, agree. It's my top, uh, whatever number of you know moments I enjoyed. <laughs> Questions, queries, tidbits. I'll go first. Hmm. Why does Laura keep coming back? How often? How your hard stuff. is it to take all your stuff? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, one Jeez. hit. He's... I mean, Rob Prince seemed pretty selfish there. It's probably most of his stuff anyway. Yeah, that's right. It was um, yeah, that frustrated me. Uh, now, Glenn, you you were very critical during the uh, We Are Marshall pod uh, about where the president of the uh, school goes to see the NCAA and he's standing there in the rain. You're going, oh, how is, this, um, how is that believable? This bloke spends more mm -hmm. time in the rain than just about anyone I've known in a movie. Okay. There's at yes. least, I thought about this. There's at least four my... times that he's just like, he's making phone calls in the rain. He seems to just continue to walk in the rain. Yep. Yep. Just... I, I wrote this down too. I wrote, why? I'll just do my questions now because I've only got one. Yeah. Um, why does he love being in the rain so much? He doesn't even attempt to find shelter. He just loves getting himself drenched. And I thought, you know, at least it's not a true story like We Are Marshall, which was my point when I talked about that. I was like, in real life, he would not have stood in the rain outside that door in We Are Marshall. But in this movie, it's a movie. It's not real. Um, and obviously, it must look good or there's, you know, some artistic reason. But it's at least not a true story. <laughs> yeah, visually, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But yes, that was my question as well. Surely you would have been arrested for stalking. Like it's it, it's really <laughs> yeah. glaring when you watch it now. Like, yeah, he's the values twenty two years later. Very of like you know society versus very then. questionable yeah, and so many other things. Um, just the why is he so selfish? Oh. That's hard to get. And past. my last question was: um, Did he really change? Are we really sure that he changed? Like I know he said he did, but I mean. Yeah, you know, a day before, after he's you know, Laura's done all this stuff for him, he's he's basically hitting on the um, the music reviewer, and I know he says, "Oh, yeah, no, that was just a fantasy, and that doesn't." Uh, I'm not convinced. It's yeah. Hmm. I think it comes back to like they were talking about, and this like you know refers to that scene I was talking about earlier. Um, <clears throat> you know, they kind of built their personalities on this idea that. It's about what you like, not who you are. And that's where he, I think, like, you know, when he's, you know, he has that realisation as he's kind of making a tape for um, the journalist. Um, it's like, there is that, you know, what the hell am I doing? Um, so that's that, the next scene after that is the, 
you know, I've realised I'd, and he, a bit earlier, like, you know, post, I think, uh, pro, you know, like that final rain scene where he's kind of getting to the bus stop. He's like, you know, I really, you know, he says I'd never really committed. Um, you know, this is probably, you know, I've only had one foot in the, you know, in the pie or whatever it was. Um, and I've been trying to get out. So there's that there's that realization, and like you know, it's nice that it's not. It's a start. All of a sudden, yeah, it's a start, and it's not sudden, but like you know, he, he kind of gets there. So there's growth. Otherwise, this film probably wouldn't have made as much money as it did. It would have been like the Step Brothers and died a horrible, horrible head, a horrible death. Well, it only just made its money back. Thirty mil, forty-seven made. So model questions, queries, tidbits. Uh, well, similar to you, how is he not arrested? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, what does she say? How did he end up owning the record store? Like, you know, that was kind of a, um, what does she seem? Yeah. Um, I think the just generic questions, there's nothing kind of, you know, glaring that I want to go. Oh, this was a bit odd. There was another one where it's like, why did they just walk out of the record store and lock it up without even taking the money out of the register and counting and making sure the float was correct and, you know, just putting the money in a safe somewhere. They just walk out. like. Half My assumption is they actually didn't make <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't reckon <laughs> there's a lot of money flowing through that store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I've got no other questions. All done. Right. Over to you for some trivia, Michael. Alrighty. Um, so, John Cusack and the screenwriters wrote the scoop with Jack Black in mind for the role of Barry. He nearly turned it down. Um, glad he didn't. I think he did a few times um, and then, he's, yeah, he turned down a few yeah. times and they got him. I think he's, he's done that for a couple other films too, hasn't he? And apparently the director had no idea, like, he met Jack Black and he's like, yeah, all right, you seem all right. And he didn't really know, I guess, who, who he was. And um, then it wasn't until they were shooting and... He was started doing his, you know, high energy Jack Black stuff, and the director was like, "Oh, I didn't realize he was going to play it like that, but that's great. It's really funny." And yeah, mm. <laughs> any idea apparently. Uh, Nick Hornby had no problem with the film version relocating the action from London, where it was originally set, to Chicago, as he felt the book was more about, uh, you know, had a lot was a, a lot more than just it was more about the music than geography, something like that. Um, John Cusack originally wanted Bob Dylan to for the Bruce Springsteen cameo, but the boss was pretty good. What? No, I, I yeah, I did like that. the uh, That's the Bruce Springsteen cameo. Yeah, um, this is an interesting one. The Mary, uh, the Marie de Salve CD, Rob pops in, and uh, like I only mention this because this is like an, um, it has one of the films we like. Uh, number one, Baby I Love Your Way. Two, Eartha Kitt Times. Two, Patsy Cline cover, Ghostbusters. She covers the Ghostbusters in there. <laughs> Beat it. Baby got back. Nine one one. It's a joke. I'll survive. Mm, bop. My heart will go on. You can't have it. The time is now. I don't think she was ever. She was never a long term relationship. Oh, for, that's for a Rob. fairly eclectic scene, either, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like that you cover probably acoustically. But Ghostbusters, that would have been a good one to listen to. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's coming back mm. to you, Scotty. Um, Tim Robbins mentioned that he agreed to take the small role in High Fidelity and Anchorman, knowing that he wouldn't get paid much because they promised to make him a wig, which he gets out now and then for like Halloween costumes. <laughs> so he gets to keep the wig. Um, uh, the majority of the flyers and stickers on the front of the register in the uh, the store are bands from either Chicago or Chicago record labels, including Urge Overkill, Falling, or Lenders, Veruca Salt, or Liz uh, Fair. Um... Oh, this was the eighth film out of ten in which John Cusack and Joan Cusack appeared together. That's a class, 16 Candles, Grandview, USA, Broadcast News, Say Anything, Gross Point Blank, Credible Rocket, Martian Child, and War, Inc. Um, Vince and Justin's, aka the Kinky Wizards, recordings an actual song titled The Inside Game by the American band Royal Trucks. Um, oh. Uh, Dick Cusack, father to John Cusack, and John Cusack appears in his second and final film with his children. There are only two. The film was Class, which was also John Cusack's uh, debut feature film. Um, what about you guys? You got any? He mentions the book, uh, which I can't remember the name, but he mentions the book <gasps> um, in this movie. Love in the Time of yeah, Cholera. Uh, yeah. That he had in Serendipity. Hmm. 
And another interesting, I don't know if it's trivia, but when they're in bed and she, uh, with Laura and she's reading a book and he's talking about how she went off with Ian, who was his neighbour, and she's reading a book called Love Thy Neighbour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, on a Bruce Springsteen, Rob says the words good luck, goodbye, which is the last line of the Springsteen song Bobby Jean. My last bit, Marvin Gaye song Let it, Let's Get It On, performed here, um, by Jack Black, uh, was not the first choice in the early scripts. Uh, Gay has got to give it up, was originally planned for Black's on-stage final finale performance, but he resisted feeling it was totally unsuitable for a climactic scene. So, yeah. One one more trivia. I'm just making these up. Um, the poster in Rob's <laughs> the poster in Rob's apartment um, has the band Ladybug Transistor. They're a very good band. I've seen them numerous times live. Great band if you want to check them out. <laughs> ah, very good. Thank you, Mogul. Thank you, Glenn. No problem. All right. Ratings and final thoughts. Michael, did you want to lead this off? Glenn, I'll leave you to last. Sure. The it's a it's an entertaining film. Um it is a slow burn. Like, you know, it's one of those films that's kinda you know, it takes its time getting through its story. Um, it is awkward to watch Rob in a lot of the, the spaces. Um, that's, you know, I think juxtaposed with the um, the snobby comedy of, like, the music nerds. Um, it does have good music going on it. The, um, the actual kind of camera work and editing are quite nice. I really enjoyed that. Um, it's, it's worth a watch, uh, but you can't watch it stacks of times. Probably, I don't know, a seven. Maybe, well, yeah, seven. Maybe 6.5. No, seven. 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 Okay. No, seven. Seven. Okay. Um, all right. So for me, overall, it's it's just a movie, and I'd probably put it as a below average movie. It, was, it seemed as a rom-com, but I didn't find it really that funny. Um, my wife is, as we, as we discussed in the serendipity pod, my wife is an avid rom-com fan. And usually in a rom-com, there's a spark. There's a reason why we want these two people to get together. Realistically, throughout this movie, I don't think there's ever a point that you're cheering on for Rob to get back with Laura. And as we said before, you never really had that connection with Laura anyway. So you never you went through the movie with no real desire for these people to get back together. Um, I didn't like Rob pretty much through the whole movie. Um, I mean, he's a, he cheated on his missus, and then when he thinks there's a chance they get back, he goes and sleeps with Marie, and then, you know, he starts chatting up, what's her name, uh, the music reviewer right near the end, and then he decides, oh, no, that's just a fantasy, and now I'll just I'll propose. Um, for me, the movie peaked at the hour 44 mark when, Jack Black was singing and then finished the hour 47 mark. So for me, it's it was going to be a three, Glenn, when I watched it last week. I bumped it up to a four. Uh, I did probably enjoy the movie slightly better when I went with this watching, having watched it and understood, I guess, the general premise of the movie. But for me, yeah, probably a four. Whew. Glenn, your turn. So almost as good as Ghostbusters is what Scott's saying. No, it's well below Ghostbusters. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's 2.5. 2. Apparently. It's about, it's yeah, about it's level with the Ice Storm. I might have actually rated this higher than the Ice Storm. <laughs> all right. Um, so all-time top five things I love about High Fidelity. Uh, nice. Number one, the book it is based on. One of my favorite books. Love the book. Thought the movie was a great adaptation of the book. Um, I think a lot of the dialogue um, was actually direct quotes from the book. Um, the soundtrack number two, the soundtrack for me is close to flawless. It's a great uh, album I listen to often. Um, just great music that a lot of it I was introduced to through this movie. Um, and a lot of it is just really good music. <laughs> um Number three is the speaking to camera. It's just done for me. It's just done so well um, when it's so easy to get it wrong and just much better than a voiceover and just brings you into the film a lot more, brings you into the character a lot more and um, 
I guess is a way to get a lot of the book into the film as well. A lot of the good um, quotes from the book. Um, number four is the top five list throughout the movie. I just loved the characters talking about top five songs to play at a funeral or whatever it was, or top five, you know, side one, track ones, or, you know, just, I loved all the top five discussions. Um, it just made it really, it's really fun. And the fifth thing, which is, I think, a combination of a couple of things. The fifth thing I like about High Fidelity or love about High Fidelity is scenes with Jack Black um, and Dick uh, as well. Um, basically, all the music nerd scenes, um, all the music references, um, all this stuff, all that. 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> that was unexpected, Glenn. Um, the 10 out of 10. I did not see that coming. Oh, you took me out of 10 last week. It went, went to a 9, 9.5 or whatever it was. Well, I didn't do that deliberately. That's all on you. <laughs> all right. So with a with a 10 from Glenn, a 7 from Michael, and a 4 from me, that gives us a 21. Does this make you Mr. Yeah, I reckon it's probably, I reckon I will. The, I reckon I'll drop yeah, below you. I'll take you down Michael. to the. Yeah. In case you haven't, like, you know, I mean, Scott's been keeping tally on our average scores and mine apparently the lowest overall. Um, and uh, I don't know, Scott's been grumpy at the last I, few films. So. I did, I've taken a very big drop over those last three. Mm. And we've got three films from Michael coming up, so we might both drop a bit more, Scott. Yeah, I know. This, <laughs> I might go completely away. I do apologise to, I do I apologize to Glenn. It's nothing personal. It just, it's... We've, there's been a couple of your movies that I've I've liked, Matchstick Men, I, I enjoyed, and and Million Dollar Baby, I, I rated quite highly, but the last few I haven't, so I do apologise. Um, but with a score of twenty one, that ties this equal eighth uh, with the aforementioned Million Dollar Baby, Die Hard Two, and the A Team. Mm. It's becoming a, a veritable bell curve in that space. It is, yeah. Yeah, we've got a lot of movies, obviously, from that sort of 22 through to probably 17, So, mm, which is yeah, not surprising. There's one line that I've actually forgot to mention that I thought was really kind of was interesting reflecting on what we do, um, and you know, I'd like to do it in the sense that he was talking. Um, Laura talks about, like, you know, you've gone from being, you know, this critical, um, you know... Yeah, you've gone from being you know, the critic. Music mm. critic. Um, to actually sort of making something um, and putting something out there, and that's kind of that was kind of cool. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of cool. That's sort of that's great. It's kind of a mix of what we do because we're both critics, but we're also making something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I still said, yeah, I want to get out and make more stuff. It'd be mm. great. Anyway, all right. So that was high fidelity. Now it's time for our Marvel cinematic loop. Beautiful. All right, so that's Glenn done. Glenn's done his trifecta of movies. Um, and now we move over to you, Michael. You get to choose the next three. Yeah, this is uh, this has been tough for me. Um, coming from High Fidelity, it was like, you know, Drubus, where am I going to go? And this is School of Rock. School of Rock. Well, I did explore that. Um, I did. Actually, funny enough, I didn't. I thought, like, we'd probably get back to School of Rock or and... It was hard to get out of School of Rock. That was probably like, you know, yeah. coming out of School of Rock was actually the hard yeah, part. Not, not a lot um, in that. Yeah. So, I mean, well, Joan Cusack, like, you know. Um, but I did look at School of Rock and I thought, well, that's not where, you know, it's not going to get to me where I want to end up. Um, jump to School of Rock with Joan and then out with Jack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, again, like, you know, they're not the, the big films I want to get to. So I actually, like, you know, explored Jack Black and I thought maybe Tropic Thunder. Um, then I, you know, go to, that opens um, up a fair bit too because there's some decent actors does. in that. Um, and look, that could get me to you know a couple of films I'm I'm keen on. Um, but I'm hoping it might come to those another way. I'm um, sure you don't want to go down the then, path that I suggested. Shawshank Dark. What do you suggest? Shawshank to Dark Knight to Interstellar. Um, well, I think like and I and I guess this is the thing. Like you know, it's my oh, trio suggestions. Of films. I, I feel just... we'll get to. Yeah, Absolutely. we'll get to Shawshank. Austin you know, another Powers. Way, I think. Austin Powers, you can get to. Well, no, with one leap. How would I get to Austin Powers? I was just looking just before. There's someone in Austin Powers. Uh, Tim Robbins. Oh, Tim Robbins, of course. Um, so, and 
I guess there's yeah, there's a couple of films I really want to get to, and um, the podcast, um, and the only way to get there was through two individuals, and they are crew members. Um, <laughs> Where are we going? Uh? Well, one is the cinematographer, which is uh, Seamus McGarvey, um, <laughs> and the other is Adrian Rhodes. Um, now, interestingly, I could get to Die Hard from here, Scott. Um, which we're not doing. Oh, no, the cinematographer, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, no, not the cinematographer. It was the sound guy that gets to die hard. Yeah, no, um, I, just, I just looked at the cinematographer. <clears throat> yeah, well, and um, so there's, yeah, and this is where I'm torn because, like, you know, there's two, uh, there's a number of really films I'd like to end up uh, for Ooh. both. And the composer, I didn't see where all these went. <laughs> oh, I didn't even check with the composer. Oh, no, um, don't, you don't need to. Cool. Um, so <laughs> I know I've been, and this is the thing, I've been threatening Scott with a comic book film for a long time. Um, but how much do I want that? Oh, yeah, that guy. Small I actually did that. that. Um, hmm. um, but I think I'm going to go, ooh. Yeah, we're going to take that path because, oh, See, I'm really tall. Really, it's really, it's really hard. It's, very, it's hard to make the final. Yeah. Because yeah. okay. you're, you're cutting out everything else you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the... We'll get there yeah. in season two. <laughs> we'll get there season two. I think the, the, the person that gives me some of the most options of where things will end up with is Seamus McGarvey. Um, and... Ooh, All right, what know. movie are we going? It's Seamus McGarvey. Oh, which one? Um, you know what? Actually, one of my, and I guess we're going for favourites, one of my all-time favourite films is Sahara with Ooh. Matt McConaughey. I don't, think, I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah. Well, you know, you're missing out because it's a, it's a ripper kind gold of... Gold hunting? Um, they do gold hunting adventure. or something like that, yeah. And I'm a, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit part of that, yeah. And I've actually... It's based mm. on um, Clive Cussler's novels. Um, Clive Cussler hated the movie because uh, there's nothing, you know, like it kind of is derivative of it. doesn't really kind of um, pay a lot of tribute to it. Um, but it's a fun film. I really enjoyed it. It's what got me into his novels. So, you know, which which way do you want to go, Clive? Um, interestingly, my other option, Scott, was Avengers. That was the other one. Like, you know, it's like... That one takes me on a few films that I want to get to, but this will oh, get that's me good. on to Glad a to avoid Marvel, well. continue to do that for so, a while. Yeah. I just figure, because once I get into the Marvel, I'm going to have to try oh, and watch more. Just, just Whedon. Too many. Maybe like 28 or something. It's not too many, though. Oh, yes, yeah, that's, that's too like many. 34 or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nah. All right, so what are we doing? Hmm. But if you're going to jump into it, it'd be better to jump in at the beginning. Than the... Yeah, my um my other journey, um which I've kind of partially cut out, I think. Uh, Adrian Rhodes would have taken us to Death at a Funeral, the English version. So that's like you know that was an English comment. I thought, oh, and that that was the only way to get to a couple of the films I'm looking for. Hopefully, can get to in other ways. Um, well, that Adrian Rhodes did not get to me to Hot Fuzz. Um, in fact, uh, Seamus McGarvey does not get me to Hot Fuzz either. Oh. Jack Black could have got me to Hot Fuzz. Right. Well, we're going to go so, Sahara. Yeah. Beautiful. Looking forward to it. We are going it. Sahara. All right. And with that, next time we hear us, we'll be discussing Sahara. Thank you. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.